Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Friday. It is March 10th. We are just a few weeks away, Brendan, from opening day at beautiful, historic Wrigley Field. And the Chicago Cubs, Brendan, for as much as anybody wants to put weight on this stuff, have won nine straight Cactus League games. They have. They're looking good doing it, too. Defensive plays by Nico, by BCA, uh, pitching, looking good, bullpen, looking strong. This is encouraging. Yeah. Uh, you know, look, you know, of course it's spring training, uh, you know, rosters are a little bit different now too, with some of the guys heading out to the world baseball classic that's starting up. Uh, but Hey, like I, every game matters. I, I guess I would rather wins. they be winning games and you know, you're, you're getting, especially, you know, we'll talk about like Thursday's game a little bit. Like you are seeing good production from uh, a decent amount of the guys that you want to see yeah. production from ultimately like spring training doesn't really mean anything. It's, it's about getting guys work and, and healthy up until opening day. Um, but you know, good to see them showing a little fight, I, will I say- guess. My favorite moment from last week was that Kevin Alcantara slide. Yeah. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like full out, slip and slide, head first, gets up, like shakes his hips around uh-huh. Corey. Yeah. Pretty pretty, pretty good. Pretty uh, high energy guy. I like it. Yeah. Some good personalities in this uh, yeah. upcoming you know, prospect class or whatever we want to refer to them as. Next is here, whatever. No, next starts here. Is this next slogan, starts here. Okay. Yes. Next starts here. Okay. Um, next is here. So the, the Cubs, you know, as we, uh, you know, are, are you're listening to this, of course, on Friday, Cubs have won nine straight in the Cactus League. Has that, uh, how, how much has that jumped your uh, regular oh, season projection? They're a playoff team now, right? <laughs> hundred wins minimum. Right. Nine games in a row. Who else does right, that? They're right. destined for I'm wins. sure that no team has ever been good in spring training and then that didn't carry over to no. regular season, right? No, it just carries right on of over. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, again, one of those things where I assume ninety some ish percent of the audience knows that that was sarcasm. I am going to clarify it just so that we don't get angry tweets. You yeah. know, you and I. Yeah. Uh, no, I do not think that them uh, doing well in the Cactus League makes. Well, I do think Trey Mancini but, will win the MVP this year, and David Bodie's making. I, I, I am interested in a lot of the individual performances. Yeah. Um. You know, but for each of those, you can look at others and say, okay, well, you know, Trey Mancini has a 580 batting average right now. Dansby Swanson has a zero, you know, point zero nine batting average. So if we care about the one, do we care about the other? Well, that's just because it's his first year in Arizona in many years for spring. Right. So he's just getting used to the climate. Sure. That's all. Right. Yeah. We can just it's sunny out there. <laughs> we can just make up an answer for pretty much all of well, this. Well, Florida right? like is very humid and everything, man. You got to get used to the air. Uh, listen, I give you credit for your quick ability to spin. Right. 
Um, That's just real talk. Yeah. Look, I I just want these guys to be healthy. I I think as we discussed, and we'll get into a lot of this in this episode, um, there are definitely performances that do matter in spring training, not necessarily because they are predictive or indicative of how someone is going to do over 162 games in the actual regular season, but because they are competing for playing time. And at this point, the Cubs have limited information with which to make some of these final roster decisions and cuts and, you know, decide who starts the season on the MLB roster, who starts the season in AAA. So for some of these guys, this stuff does certainly matter. For a lot of these guys, yeah. though, like, you know, they're they're going to get their opportunity. They're going to be in the rotation. They're going to be in the bullpen. Uh, and not until we see um, those results in the regular season does any of this really actually matter? But I will say, like, you know, again, like, I I think a lot of people had a, at least a more positive attitude and I think interest in this group and in this roster coming into this season than they did last year, right? And so, you know, to see people at Sloan in Mesa, watching them win, having a good time. You know, you were just mentioning to me, listening to Pat Hughes so often as he's oh, doing yeah. the games on marquee. Like, you know, that's that that's good, right? Like it's it's better than the alternative. So, you know, enjoying it for now. And then obviously, um, you know, the real thing starts here at the end of March and that's what really matters. I mean, this is my favorite time of the year, just because it's like, you know, low stress baseball, as you know, I like, but you do get to see other guys play, all your top prospects play, the Alcantaras, PCAs, Mervis, all the pitchers. You get to see some of the changes the guys have made, even seeing guys like Nelson Velasquez in spring, but also in, like, in the World Baseball Classic. It's just good to see this point of the year, all the Cubs guys in one camp. I like that. I'm actually disappointed that the minor league guys will be going to camp soon. Yeah, and I, you know, I mean, I wanted to... Uh talk about PCA just a little bit. So, you know, I suppose we can start there. Um, Firstly, our guy Ryan Herrera sat down with Pete Crow Armstrong uh, when he was out in Mesa. That just went, that interview just went up on the CHGO Sports YouTube page. Uh, We also tweeted it from the CHGO Cubs Twitter account, the link to the YouTube. So be sure to check that out, about seven, eight minutes of Ryan's conversation with PCA. Um, And uh, Brendan, I mean, that catch uh, the other day was really something. That's just what he does all the time. Once every 10 games, he makes a catch like that. Yeah, and I think it was one of those where you you watch it kind of over and over, and you really get... um, an appreciation. An appreciation for just how good a defender he is going to have the potential well, to be. It's all, it's all instinctual, too. Like right. You just can't teach that. So this, the, the catch we're referring to was on Tuesday in the Cubs game against the Rangers. Um, but you look at just the, the distance that he covers. You know, he starts, I think, positioned pretty much in line with the second base bag in center. Um, they, mm. they didn't immediately get us the pulled back camera view. So you're, you're kind of just going with what you have, but I mean, he ends up on the warning track in right center. Um, and also has the, the presence of mind and, and ability to, you know, position himself and get up to make the throw back into the infield. Cause there's a runner yeah. on, on second base. Like Willie Mays. Exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> a perfect comp, Brendan. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, maybe it's it's just one of those things where I think the the cool thing about some of these guys being able to play in major league camp and and the games being broadcast on marquee or or whether they're on MLB TV, however you're watching them, right? Like, is if you're not a big prospect person right? And you're just reading all of this stuff or you're hearing people talk about it or when you, me, and Luke and Ryan and Cody and Jared talk about like the rankings and and MLB pipeline, you kind of have this like vision of who these guys are, right? You've heard of Brennan Davis and PCA and Kevin Alcantara, et cetera. But the cool thing about, you know, them being in camp and, and being able to see stuff like this is you should watch a play like that. And even if you've only read about these guys, you go, oh, 
Okay. Yeah. Like I, I I see why people are so excited about this guy. And he can hit too. Like that's a, a separate discussion. But you see the speed and you see when we talk about even someone like Cody Bellinger is a good example who who knows what he's gonna bring at the plate, right? Like he hit a bomb this week that looked really good. He hits really pretty home runs. That's what I texted you, mm-hmm. Brendan. But mm-hmm. like you see it with PCA, it's like, okay, like even just as a fielder the floor value of a guy that can make catches like this is so yeah. incredibly valuable. And you see the changes he's made offensively throughout his time in Chicago. Coming over from the hobby bias trade, his mechanics were very different. Even going through last year towards the second half, he started changing more things, getting more comfortable, and he looks very different now than he did a year ago. And he's confident doing it. He's confident making these changes. In the latter portion of last year, he significantly decreased his strikeout rate. His overall strikeout rate was around 24%, but by the last 100 plate appearances or so, it was about under 20%, which is what you want to see. And you see this talent right away in camp. That's why I like watching these games because you see Alcantara, the fast twitchiness, you see PCA, the defense, but you also see the ability to adjust. And for me, watching prospects and seeing that type of quick adaptation, that quick uh, iteration of development gives me encouragement. There's been times in Many of the Cubs' prospect development in history were the development was a little bit slower, and you didn't see maybe as many changes. Former infielders the Cubs have had, you didn't see them quite develop at the expected rate. With these guys, including Alcantara, including PCA, you're seeing the skill level, but you're also seeing, in in my memory, in, in my opinion, a, a more faster willingness to try new things. And for PCA, it seems to be working. And it's just a confidence, too, that he carries himself with, dude. Yeah. Like, even the conversation with Ryan, I mean, it's off the charts. He's wearing, like, that Michael Jordan one-ear earring, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, who is this guy? Yeah. So I would not be surprised if he wins the gold glove this year, Corey. When I, I say that in jest, but, you know, maybe. At the MLB level? Yeah, why not? He comes up, he makes one of those plays every other day. Uh, well, now you're getting very ahead of yourself, but that's a, <laughs> a separate separate discussion. You know, PCA, Gold Glove, Dansby, Gold Glove, Nico Gold Glove. Realistically, this is not like hyperbole. 2024, that could, that could yes. legitimately happen. Yeah. Like seriously, I mean, I, I, I think he happen. has the skill that as soon as he is getting regular playing time, I would just assume he's a top contender for an award like yeah. that, right? Like it's just yeah. a question of when he is up and playing every day to the point that he gets in the conversation for those awards. I will say, though, like the adaptations and his ability to adjust is impressive, but I still want to see more of it. Even the bulk 24% K rate, despite that being decreased as the year went on, you don't like you don't want to see the bulk sum look like that. The hope is he gets to Tennessee and that K rate with his power profile is going to be around 20%. If it's going to be around 24% and his power profile is like, you know, 15, 20 homers for 550 plate appearances, it might be too much, but the, the whiffs might be too much. So he still has to show quite a bit, but the talents there and you're thinking is if those changes do carry over with the confidence, with the speed and the athleticism and all that, then if he succeeds, you may end up seeing him later in the year. Maybe sooner. They've been aggressive with these guys in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know a lot of people have talked about it, and I think this is true of you know several guys throughout the organization. But you know, if the Cubs find themselves in uh, the playoff hunt, you know, this year they they play their way into that. Even if it's just you know one yeah. of those last wild card positions, like. PCA is the type of skills where you may not bring him up to fully take over center field, but hey, you want some speed, some some defense, and some of that stuff to help you win some close ball games down the stretch, right? Like you can tap into those skills. But I, I loved, uh, you know, one of the quotes from the interview with our guy Ryan Herrera at Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera on Twitter. Uh, Ryan asked him, "What can Cubs fans expect from?" 
Pete Crow Armstrong. And, and one thing he said was it's, it, it'll be an honor to play uh, in front of the crowd at Oof. Wrigley Field. So, you know, always a good place to start. We love pandering, don't we, Brendan, we to do. us we specifically? Yes. You know, yes, it is an honor to play in it front is. of us. Yes. yes, of course. Out, out <laughs> um, but then he went on to say, quote, they're going to get a lockdown center fielder. They're going to get a guy who makes things happen. They're going to be seeing very good Cubby yeah. baseball. And that was uh, tied into, you know, mentioning that there's a lot of exciting other guys that he's going to be playing with that are coming up in the system with him, in addition to, you know, some of the talent that the Cubs have amassed at the major league level. So just love that. And uh, I, I I was reading before you and I got on an article that was posted over at foxsports.com uh, on Pete Crow Armstrong and Matt Mervis. Um, you know their their friendship and and coming up in the Cubs system together, and you know their kind of dream to uh, play together. Um, and they they and in part of the article they talked about you know obviously uh, PCA grew up a, a Cub fan and and has that connection there, um, but. They talked about how Mervis also enjoyed, even though he he wasn't raised on the team like PCA was, he enjoyed watching some of the Cubs. And, and one of the quotes in this article um, is from Mervis, and he says, quote, Pete and I have talked about some of our favorite Cubs from growing up. Even when the teams weren't great, I would play with the Cubs in video games. Aramis Ramirez hit bombs. Oh, boy. Derek oh, Lee boy. hit bombs. <laughs> Alfonso I mean, Soriano, right Crow Armstrong, chimed in. Oy. Carlos Sambrano, Mervis added. I would make sure he was in the lineup so I could hit bombs with him. He'd yeah, he was hit good, fourth. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. I read this article. I felt very strong. You know, I'm, I'm big in on Matt Mervis, obviously big in on PCA. You, you start talking about Aramis Ramirez, Derek Lee, Alfonso Soriano, Carlos Zambrano, you want to talk about pandering, Brendan. <laughs> I mean, right, right to us, right Corey. to you and me, <laughs> and I think like Cody specifically, right? I, I see Aramis Ramirez and Derek Lee in particular, and I'm like, okay, get these guys up, you know, get them up to Wrigley Field. They're on the team now. Like that's it. That's all I needed to see. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's also showing their their Cubs history knowledge. Sure. Really, they're they're playing you know a ton of MLB the Show back then. Like Big Z back then was great switch hitter, tons of power from the lefty. I I used to put him in to pinch hit all the time just because of that. So what I'm saying is you know Mervis, PCA, and myself are all very similar in 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 that respect. But the confidence, Corey, when he says, "I'm going to be a lockdown center fielder," yeah. he's 20 years old, dude. Like I mean, we like just we just saw the play in big league camp. I mean, he you know he at least so far in in you know as close to MLB level baseball as he's been able to play. Like he's 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 walking the walk and talking the talk. Yeah, I I was thinking as you were going through those quotes, how the Cubs have been have been aggressive in years past with, let's say Kyle Schwarber, for one example. Uh, they brought up, you know, Addison Russell when he was younger in 2015 from Double A. They've they've had guys come from Double A straight to the bigs, but PCA might be a little bit different because he's younger than, for example, Schwarber. Schwarber was a college bat, but nevertheless, I still I see that same type of confidence in. Pete Crow Armstrong that you do see in like the Schwarbers and the Chris Bryans. And one of my favorite quotes when with Chris Bryan was, I'm really fast. Like, you know, that's one of our, our, our all-time favorites. It's when these guys talk with such conviction, it gives me more confidence that they'll be able to handle the pressure and be able to handle the inevitable failures and valleys when they do go through slumps. And I think the Cubs have a good personality in that respect. And uh, ah, man, I, I I just want to see more, and I would not be surprised if we see him in like even as soon as June, July. They've done this, man. Like Schwarber came up, what was it, late June in 2015 in that Cleveland series, right. whatever that was. They've done this. They right. really pushed the envelope faster than a lot of our expectations. Yeah, and uh, you know, so Mervis is going to be playing for Team Israel in the World Baseball Classic, um, you know, so I think it was good for him to get some time here in big league camp now, you know, sort of see what happens there. I think a as we've discussed, um, you know, 
given the additions that the Cubs made and just how things are are panning out, I, I'm not expecting him to break camp uh, with the major league roster. Uh, but you know, he he in particular is one of those guys who is you know bang, not even knocking on the door, right? To use a, a really pithy um, cliche and analogy, like he's he's banging on it, right? Like I think you're to me. I would hope that's something in the organization that is a quick hook if it's necessary, right? Like if if someone like Eric Hosmer struggles and it just isn't going well and Mervis is doing the same thing that he was doing and just bashing AAA pitching and and mashing home runs and um making that compelling of an argument, like I I hope that this is not uh something that gets dragged out, right? So I think we could see him pretty soon, but uh you know, and you started this conversation with Kevin Alcantara and, you know, just that kind of electric slide that he had uh, going into second base. The the moral of the story is that it's been fun to watch these younger players. And I think you've gotten a good glimpse so far in the spring that at least to some degree, like, there's a reason that a lot of people hype a lot of these guys up and have talked about the the strides that the Cubs have made in their system and this kind of next wave of talent that they have coming forward. All right, quick break here from our sponsor, DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is the official betting partner of CHGO and All City. Sign up using code CHGO. You can download the app now and sign up with that code CHGO. If you do, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code CHGO. Baseball is also starting soon here, Corey. In two, three weeks, you'll have baseball every single day. If you want to bet those games, DraftKings is the app to do it. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Second break here from our sponsor, Goose Island. CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Companies, Chicago's beer. Since 1988, they have a very deep beer roster. They have the Blackhawks Pale Ale, which is a limited release. The Hawks and Goose Island have been neighbors for over 25 years. They have a pub in the UC that's been open for over a decade. Their tap room is a pre-game destination for Hawks fans. They do lots of charity. They also have the Bulls City 312, which is a limited release. They have the 312 Wheatail, the Bourbon County Stout. They have the Green Line, the Matilda, so many different types, so many different unique favorites by other people. Goose Island also has two locations that are open and ready to welcome you. You can grab a beer from their innovation tanks at the Goose Island Tap Room at 1-800 West Fulton or Get a smash burger and a fresh beer of the week at the original Clybourne Brewhouse at 1-800 North Clybourne. For reservations and pickup, go to gooseisland.com slash locations, Goose Island Beer Company. All right, Brendan. So I want to check in with you on your feelings about some of the pitching staff decisions that the Cubs mm. have to make. Uh, you know, obviously this is stuff that we have discussed in the past, but, you know, a week later, you know, uh, as we said, for some of these guys, for it, it, it's good since I mentioned it, right? Like Dansby Swanson has not gotten off to a great spring. Doesn't matter, right? Well, you know, he had a base hit last game, and that was on base percentage, just 375. So sure, you know, uh, <laughs> but it 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 doesn't matter, right? Like he's going to be the opening day shortstop. He's going to be great. Cactus League doesn't matter. But for some of these guys, this is what we have to work with. And the Cubs are trying to make some final decisions here. And so maybe it does matter. Um, Ultimately, that's up to the front office. And maybe all of this doesn't matter. And they've made their mind up. And as long as everybody's healthy, they're going to do what they want. Uh, But I do want to sort of just check check your pulse here on the fifth starter spot. So Adrian Sampson has had a bad spring. Uh, This is one of those things, though, where we don't always know what he's out there doing, right? We talked many times about how, especially in spring training, especially ramping things up, guys will be 
working on stuff. They will be working on particular pitches. They'll be working on attacking particular parts of the zone. Uh, Some guys are just out there getting their work in, right? Just making sure their arm is fresh and treating it like a bullpen day, whatever. But the other day against the Rangers, two and two thirds, four hits, six earned, two walks, three home runs for Adrian Sampson, who now has an ERA north of 20 in Cactus League play. Um, you know, and contrasting that to Hayden Wisniewski, who's just blowing guys away and strutting off the mound and doing his thing. Um, I I know you've had opinions on this in the past. Does Samson's performance matter to you? Have you kind of changed your feeling on where you want Wisniewski to begin the season, how the Cubs should approach this? I I guess really the question is, like, I think a lot of people are going to watch a start like Tuesday from Samson. And even if deep down they know, hey, it's just spring training, and it's only the beginning of spring training, right? We still have a few weeks here. It's not that big a deal, but they may watch and go, well, why wouldn't it just be Wisniewski, right? If this guy's serving up bombs and, and not doing well, why what are we even talking about right does this matter what's your you're you're the pitch doctor here tell me the pitching depth matters i think when opening day starts there's a sense of finality by fans like oh this is the roster that's not the case it's just a marker samson will be starting games this year wisniewski will be starting games this year how they want to initiate the season i believe will start with Samson. It doesn't mean that they think Samson is the guy over Wisniewski and vice versa. If, for example, Samson is changing pitch types or trying to get more comfortable with changing his repertoire, it might be the reverse where Wisniewski starts the year and Samson gets maybe more of a elongated stint out of the bullpen, which allows him perhaps to try different pitch types and different scenarios. They've done that with guys in the past, including Alzelay, Keegan Thompson, Justin Steele, that might be the route for Samson. My opinion has not changed. My opinion has always been, I want to see Wisniewski get that fifth spot. It's partially because I want to see more of Wisniewski rather than in like the inclination that's the best thing for the team. But I don't think it really matters necessarily. As far as the spring training stats go, Arizona's weird. One, like they have the fences so far back because the ball carries like crazy, but also it doesn't break that well in Arizona. The breaking pitches don't break that well. Wisniewski slatters off the charts, so it doesn't really matter. But for Samson, who has very little margin for error, who relies so heavily on command, combine that with, we know he's trying to change things. He's throwing faster uh, is as one change. It doesn't really surprise me that he's giving up some long balls. It doesn't surprise me he's getting hit sort of hard. I don't think it really matters. I do think, though, that the Cubs have all that data. They have the slow motion cameras. They have all the data backing up what his expected movement should be. It's going to be different than his observed movement. If they see some type of mechanical problems that are leading to poor spin efficiency, poor expected movement, they see something that looks a little bit unusual, then that's going to drive their decision rather than him giving up a home run in Peoria when there's no humidity or rather when there is humidity because, you know, Arizona weather this time of year can be kind of hit or miss. I don't think it really matters the results. What matters are those bullpen sessions, are the data during the games that represent his mechanics, how his stuff is expected to move. And that I think will drive the decision. And if there's really no difference in the Cubs' expectations for those pitch peripherals and those mechanics. I still believe they'll start with Samson. They'll give him the shot. They'll get Wisniewski either warmed up in in an elongated role, let's say in Iowa, or they just rely on him heavily in multiple innings out of the bullpen. But come June, I expect to see Wisniewski having consistent starts and sharing the bulk of the innings, whether as a starter or if that's not the case, then definitely as like a Keegan Thompson type role. Yeah. So I, I guess the the follow-up to that, I, I, I agree with you. I think ultimately it ends up being Wisniewski's job. It's just a question of how to best utilize him in that regard. Manage innings, right? Because it's, it's unlikely that he would be able to uh, start the season as the fifth starter and just make all of those starts, right? You have to, to protect yeah. the arm, um, just given where he's been in the past few years, usage, all of that stuff, right? Um, but 
that that would be my follow-up to you. So looking over at allchgo.com, again, our guy Ryan Herrera posted his first uh, go at the 26-man roster. Just a, just a projection, just how he's feeling, just his gut feeling on some stuff, right? So you can agree, disagree. It's, it's just Ryan's opinion as things stand here early in spring training. Uh, but he has Samson in the fifth spot and Wisniewski as a way to sort of just ease into things and, and manage innings, not breaking camp with the major league team. Would you view that as the best? If the ultimate goal is that Wisniewski is starting and pitching big games for the Cubs as a starting pitcher, do you think that's the most effective way to go about that? Uh, or as you just alluded to, would you consider another guy in this bullpen in kind of a, a multi-inning role, kind of how the Cubs eased him in last year? What would your preference be, or what do you think the organization's preference would be? And and I guess, and, and this may not be something you can answer, uh, but I, I'm curious your opinion. Wisniewski, you and I always talk about how, you know, kind of a bulldog, right? He's got that, like, F-U mentality, like, kind of mm-hmm. laser shooting out of his eyes when he's out on the mound. Do you think it might rub him the wrong way to not immediately no. have that rotation spot? Sorry, that's a lot of questions, no. but you know, now to you. No. So that reminds me of what David Ross said regarding Wisniewski. He says he's a veteran in a, like a prospect like minds like a prospect stage of his career where he carries himself very much like a John Lester gritty type veteran in your 30s, early to mid 30s. I think because he has that ability to carry himself so professionally, I, I I think it would kind of put a chip on his shoulder, so to speak, but he would understand it. Mm-hmm. Like he understands what's going on. He speaks the same language that the pitching coordinator speak and the infrastructure speaks. He would totally buy it. Also, at the same time, I I really believe the opening day roster, it it maybe is meaningful for the players on an emotional level. I totally buy that. But even more so now than in any year in the past, you know, our lifetime watching these opening days, I don't think the rosters on day one matter. With the extended 26-man rosters now, and this is the full first elongated spring in three years, you're going to get some moves that are just dependent on the stage of certain guys ramping up. And one uh, example is whether the Cubs will tr- will, will uh, carry 13 pitchers or whether they'll carry 14 pitchers. If they carry, like you can kind of just do the math right now. If they just assume that Samson gets that fifth spot in the rotation, that's five starting pitchers right there, right? You got Brandon Hughes, Brad Boxberger, Adbury Alzali, Michael Fulmer, Rowan Wick, Julian Merriweather, Keegan Thompson, and then the eighth spot, so that last 13th spot, can go to one of Michael Rucker. It can go to, uh, they got Tyler Duffy. They've been interested in Nick Birdie. You can kind of see the logic of giving Wisniewski more innings on a consistent routine in Iowa if they want to give Nick Birdie a chance, if they want to give Minnie uh, Natoli a chance, if they want to give Tyler Duffy a chance, they want to preserve that depth. I think that might actually make the most sense. Now, I again, my preference is put the best roster on the field at all times and don't be so uh, this, it's not the right word to describe it, but don't be so like conservative. Like, give your team the best chance to win on a daily basis. But I think the margin for projections of whether Wisniewski's on the opening day roster or or not, and he won't make his debut two weeks later, I don't think it matters yeah. necessarily. I think the long term picture, you can definitely make a convincing argument that by putting Wisniewski in AAA to start the year and giving these other guys more of a chance and preserving that depth is the best path forward. Yeah, and I mean, I think uh, David Ross spoke about this. It might have been a, a week or two ago, um, but just kind of alluding to the fact that it's going to take more than 26 guys to get through this season and to be successful. Yeah. And, you know, whether that's making the playoffs, winning the division, going far in the playoffs, whatever ambition, you know, or goal this team ultimately is able to accomplish, it, it's going to take more than those 26 guys. So, like you said, and even more so for this roster, too, right? This, this definitely. Yes, right. 
as you said, it's it the opening day roster is not the finish line, right? In a lot of ways, it sort of feels that way. And, you know, certainly for some guys, if they're out of options or if, you know, they end up getting DFA'd as a result or it, it may be, but in general, like it's not the be all end all, whether they break camp with the big league team. That's just who they're starting the season with. That's who they'll play the Brewers with at Wrigley Field and, you know, head to Cincinnati for that first road series. But, you know, you do have an off day after opening day on that Friday. You have an off day after that first road series with the Reds. So, you know, for the first six games you end up playing, you have two off days that are baked right in there. Then you're back at home again. So the, the schedule will allow for some movement. The schedule will allow for some rest for some guys. It's not like they immediately hit the ground running with, you know, 24 games in 24 days or something like that. So it's not the be all end all. It's it's not the final roster that they have to use. And I think yeah. for a lot of these guys, and this is true on offense as well, right? Like there's a lot of discussion of, um, you know, I've seen some of the beat writers wondering if Christopher Morell starts the season in AAA, something that I strongly disagree with. Which oh my gosh. So that, that one I feel may, and, about. And we can, we can get into it, but let's, let's finish yeah. where, where we are here. Like, at the end of the day, there are some decisions that this organization can make that are aligned with the development of the player and yeah. not and being more concerned with that and not immediately concerned with, well, it's opening day. And they are they do they have to break camp with the roster? Now again, for all of these, you can debate whether that's the right decision for wins and losses, for the longevity of the team, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's all just to say there's a lot more that should go into these decisions then specifically do they break camp in mesa as a member of the major league team for a lot of these guys especially a ton of them have options they can go up and down it really doesn't matter it's just kind of sequencing of how you want to begin the season and and really attack uh potentially you know just those first two series as as you get through things yeah so if you want to look at bulk innings thrown last year this is going to surprise you Corey. this surprise this, this surprised me so the one pitcher in the cubs system that had more than 140 innings thrown last year there's only one <laughs> it's it's hayden wisniewski he threw the most innings of any cubs pitcher last year it, like from double a in new york with the Cubs and then his his time in the, at the big league level, like Stroman threw 138 innings, Wisniewski was over 140. So when we're talking about the Cubs starting pitching staff and that depth, they 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 really need that security. Yeah. They need that blanket. And with Steele finishing off the year really strong, but having that unfortunate minor injury towards the the back end in early September, 119 innings for Steele. The question for him is not a matter of, is he good enough to be in the bigs? That's been established. The question is, can he throw 30 starts a year? Can Stroman, which he should, can Stroman get to the point where he's throwing 30 plus starts again? Again, he should. There's really no reason to believe he shouldn't from a chronic health standpoint. Now, Tyone, of course... He got the money for a very specific reason, and that is he's been a workhorse. That's great for the Cubs. But when you talk about Stroman and you talk about Tyone, that's basically the two guys that you can put a stamp on and confidently assume you'll get a minimum 25-plus starts. After that, it's kind of hit or miss. And, I'm, you know, as I'm talking about this, I'm kind of like turning myself into thinking, just give Wisniewski the starting spot. Like, if innings are a concern, then you know, the same type of logic can be applied to other guys on this roster. Well, if any are a concern, then why not have Steele take some time off? Why not have sure. King and Thompson take more days off? When in reality, Wisniewski got more innings than all those guys, than everyone on the Cubs staff last year. So if anyone is maybe immune to that type of innings concern, it's Wisniewski. So maybe it does make more sense to give him the, the chance and just let him go and see how long he can last. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see that. Right. Um, I, 
I think you could make that argument with a lot of guys, right? Like, yeah. just just let him do it. We'll figure this out later, right? Like, yeah. Um, like let Samson let let Samson start in like two more weeks. This is just me being selfish because I love watching Wisniewski pitch, and like Samson will be on the team no matter what. But like, I don't know, man. Like, you see, you saw what happened with Steele last year when he got that opportunity. He never let it go. Like that right. was it. He got the opportunity. Boom, done. Like never again. I can easily see the same thing happening with Wisniewski. And then the conversation becomes, okay, how does Drew Smiley look? Should Drew Smiley mm-hmm. get more days off? He's had injury Javier concerns Asad in the will be past. in this mix. Javier Assad will be in this. I didn't even mention Assad, I think. So this, this is, ah, oh man, like, I don't know. I'm working myself up into believing, you know, forget the comparison between Samson and Wisniewski. Like, maybe it's not really that type of a binary decision. Maybe it is, okay, how do you protect Drew Smiley? How do you protect these mm-hmm. other guys? And do you give Wisniewski the shot to turn into that Justin Steele? Okay, every fifth day, this is your guy. Well, and I think, you know, again, look, I think you're looking at someone like Wisniewski much more obviously, as a long-term member of this rotation. Same with someone like Justin Seale. There's certain guys in this mix that are going to be members of this Cubs rotation, as you envision it, years in the future here. And there's some guys who are going to be getting starts in the early going who do not fit that bill. Marcus Stroman could be one of them. He could opt out. Drew Smiley, obviously an older guy, shorter-term deal. Um, you know, Adrian Sampson, older, not necessarily someone you're building the future around, right? But Justin Steele, Jameson Tyone, who you signed to a four-year deal, Hayden Wisniewski. These are guys who are going to be in there going forward. So you obviously have to consider that development. But there's also, you know, the consideration, like, if this team is playing well and they look like they have a shot to compete for even, again, one of those last couple playing uh, playoff spots, that changes this discussion as well. I agree. Right? So here's a question for you. So let's just take away the idea of, you know, depth just for now and preserving that depth. Who who gives the Cubs the best chance to win a, a baseball game on day one? Is it Wisniewski or is it Samson? In one game. It has to be Wisniewski, well, duh. right? Yeah. Duh, I mean, like Adrian right? Samson was our quality start king last yeah. year, but like, so, duh. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, okay. Think think about this. So that, the margin for- I, It's simple at that point, right? <laughs> well, the margin for error is so small for this team. Right. They're projected by some There is an argument, systems. yes. There's an argument that that Start one game matters. Yes. Win as many games at the beginning as yeah. you can, and if you have to deal with innings limits and things like that, you can yeah. deal with that later. Yes. Well, it's not even that. It's not you don't have to give that up. Where's Samson going? Like he's still going to be no, on the right. roster. Yeah, exactly. No, and and that's what I'm saying is if you get toward yeah. the middle of the year and you're you you feel a little fatigue from Hayden or you want to protect his arm or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. skip a start. You know, yeah. here's Javier Assad and, for for a start. It's fine. You know. Yeah. Well, you also, I'm always thinking about the trade deadline. I always bring this up in terms of like, who should they sign another bullpen guy in the free agency? Well, what about the luxury tax? Like the same type of thinking can be applied to this. If you start off fast and you put yourself in a position where spending more money in, in, in June in the form of trades makes sense, then I want to give the Cubs the best opportunity to be in that position. Sure. And from a first 60 game standpoint, you really can't convince me. I like Samson. I like the diverse pitch repertoire. I think he's a good pitcher for this team. But there is no argument in the entire world that in a very short sample size, who I'm betting on the most to get out. And that is by far Hayden Wisniewski with that 70 grade chain, uh, slider with all the movement, all the confidence. It's a no brainer, Corey. Okay. All right. So a quick break here from our sponsor, Game Time. Game Time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you've ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, the 50-yard line, courtside, behind, home plate, floor seats at a concert is possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. You won't find a better deal this season on Cubs games. You won't find a better deal this remainder of the season on Bulls games or Blackhawks games. I use Game Time to get spring training tickets, Corey. This app is created by the fans for the fans. It guarantees the lowest price. If you love CHGO, then you will love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description of this episode below. By doing so, you can join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite 
events. Second break here from our sponsor, Foco. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite team, so get fitted out in the best sports gear around. Foco has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. You can get decked out like DeMar with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles. Looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? Well, Foco has you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out Foco.com or click the link in this description below. For all non-presale items, use promo code CHGO for 10% off. All right, Brendan, so I want to check in on the bullpen situation. Um, you mm-hmm. mentioned some names to watch, and I, I think we have you know, an idea of some guys that are definitely going to be in this bullpen. You named some of them, right? Like uh, Michael Fulmer, Brad Boxberger, Brandon Hughes, Keegan Thompson, Adbert Alzali. After that, though, the Cubs have some decisions to make, right? They do. Um, so some names I'll throw out there and you know, let you kind of discuss where we're at. We saw... Uh, a good handful of these guys in the game on Thursday following Jamison Tyone. Um, but Rowan Wick, someone uh, that you've talked and written about a lot uh, over the years, um, who's had obviously some up and down time uh, at the major league level with the Cubs, dealt with some injuries, etc. cetera. Um, Tyler Duffy, who the Cubs brought in um, and has had a, a pretty nice spring so far. Uh, Julian Merriweather, another name to look for, uh, and he is someone who is out of options. So, you know, you'd obviously risk losing him if he did not He's on the team. break camp. with the t- Let me finish the names, Brendan. You're, <laughs> you're spoiling yeah, it. Um, no. Um, Jeremiah Estrada, someone that you've liked a lot. Um, Anthony Kay, another name who is out there and, you know, we've seen get some action here in the spring. And and there, there's probably more that I'm forgetting, but again, like some of the consideration, a lot of these guys have options. You can maneuver them up and down and and back and forward. Some do not. Julian Mayer, Merriweather, I think the the standout for that. I will say, you know, just looking at some of the highlights, Merriweather pumping high 90s. Uh, I think he finished out the game on Thursday. That Cubs, uh, you know, ninth straight Cactus League win, two strikeouts. Um, I like it, right? Like at this point, like I think we've just been so conditioned at how many like soft throwers the Cubs have had that like if a guy's touching the high 90s, I'm anyone. like, all right, in, put him in the bullpen, <laughs> you know, like I'm sure, yes. Um, so I, I want to hear how you're feeling about those those last couple spots here um, for this bullpen, who you want to see, who has that that big time potential. And I will also just note he's he's definitely in the bullpen. We we know that. Um, but uh, Brandon Hughes, per usual, just all yeah. over the the pitching ninja page uh, from his outing on Thursday. He's he's yeah. just disgusting. And the swings he, he gets, uh, the the ability for a guy to make major league hitters, and you know some of them are not major league hitters that are whoever's on uh, these spring training rosters, you know, for the Reds or, or whoever it is, uh, but they're professional baseball players. And, you know, for Hughes to make these guys just the, such ugly swings, man, like yeah, I'm excited yeah. for his season. But talk to me about these last one, two, whatever it is, spots for the bullpen and, you know, what you've seen so far in the spring and and how you kind of see this playing out. I, I mean, I first want to bring attention to, to Hughes. In the context of all the stuff graders that we always talk about, these stuff graders are so good, like 95% like accurate in predicting run uh, expected value. There are some outliers, and that is where some teams thrive on finding. The Dodgers have done that for many years. Uh, Tampa Bay is like the architect of finding those guys and turning them into to useful pitchers. For the Cubs, they haven't been able to do that. From a public data perspective, when I look at Brandon Hughes, let's say I'm a fan of some random other team. Let's say I'm a fan of like the Diamondbacks, for example. If I go to Brandon Hughes' page on Fangraphs, Baseball Savant, and I look at his stuff, it doesn't make sense why he's so good. And his stuff grade by Cameron Grove's model, for example, says that every one of his pitches is league average. However, his whiff rate is 32%. That is almost eight percentage points better than league average. I think from last year, it's in the top 10th percentile, maybe even top 5th percentile. But his stuff is average. 
across the board by those metrics. So what is driving that success? One thinking is, it, this is random, but he had so many innings last year that it doesn't appear to be random. The swings that he generates doesn't appear to be fluky. I don't believe it's that. Then it's look at, looking at his mechanics. Well, he looks weird throwing the baseball. Like he hides the ball exceptionally well. Uh, he has just an unorthodox mode of delivery. And I think that is what is driving that type of success he's having. And Tampa Bay has capitalized on those funky deliveries, those funky mechanics. I think Brandon Hughes has that. But I, I bring this up to mention that uniqueness. But also, when we talk about these other pitchers, when we talk about Anthony Kay, we talk about Tyler Duffy, we talk about, uh, 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 you know, any any of these guys. The Cubs have so many, I'm forgetting all their names now. But sometimes when you and I talk about this and I talk about this, it may not be obvious. Sometimes it is obvious. Julian Merriweather is an obvious one because his fastball is thrown almost 100 miles per hour and the stuff on it grades well. His stuff on his fastball is a 60 on the 80 scale. Of course, it looks good. But then there's other guys that you don't quite see it. And Anthony Kay might be one. You know, he has the type of unique features, velocities decent, that suggests he could get there. But it's nothing to, like, you know, write home about. Tyler Duffy doesn't really have good dominant pitches. His sinker, though, does great above league average. Changeup, likewise, above league average. But those are the two pitches he throws the least. So, are the Cubs trying to change his repertoire to make him throw more of those pitches? I don't know. I have to you know, zoom in closer on that. But ultimately, where I come down with this is I don't have a confident opinion. Like I, I can't give you a good enough reason why Anthony Kay should be picked over Tyler Duffy or you know, why uh, Vinny Natoli should be picked over Nick Birdie. Like I can't give you a convincing argument because I'm missing stuff such as that with Brandon Hughes that I'm not privy to, that I don't have all the inf- information on. There's some obvious ones. We, go, we can always find the obvious ones, but when we're talking about these last few spots. The Cubs are going to be at the forefront of this. All those teams are going to be at the forefront of figuring out who makes the most sense. And because of that, because of their recent success to go with it, you have to default to their decision. And that, to me, is the obvious way to interpret it. I, I will say I'm, I kind of am curious from an outsider looking in at Tyler Duffy, just I'm curious about that sinker changeup usefulness out of the bullpen. I think that's unique for certain guys, um, especially if they're able to go like up and in to certain you know, hitters who struggle with that type of stuff. So I think that could induce some type of selective matchups for us I do like, but I don't have a strong opinion on it. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at, you know, again, like Merriweather is just someone who doesn't have the options. So you would risk losing him, um, you know, because he's, well, he's on the team. Like, I'm like pretty convinced he'll be on the team. Right, like, but that, I, that I'm saying obvious. that, you know, technically it's still a decision they have to make. Yeah. So, yeah. but yes, that that would be my conclusion because you look at how he's doing and the potential that he has and why would you risk losing him? Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I to me, he's already, you know, on sure. the team. It's just a matter of... I, I think he's up. just not included because, you know, he wasn't on the team last year. So he's just not in yeah. those kind of. Well, when I'm listing, like when I list, list off those names earlier, like to me, he's a seventh spot in the bullpen. And to me, again, it's, it's a matter of they carry 13 pitchers or 14 pitchers. I imagine early on they'll carry 14 pitchers, which means, you know, five starters, nine bullpen guys. But you never know. But if they carry only 13 pitchers, Merriweather is the seventh guy. And then the A spot, I don't know what they're going to do with it. They could go with one of the guys we talked about. Um, they could just give it to uh, Javier Assad, for example, if they want to have more pitching mm-hmm. depth, uh, the multi any role. I have no idea what they're going to do with it. I think the starting well, pitching depth is also going to influence this. Sure. And I, I mean, I, j- one question I do want to ask you, I mean, you've you've written, you've looked a lot at, at Rowan Wick, I think, over the years. Um, I think if I were making a graph, not to steal your thunder, I would never... Um, yeah, you better. I know I won't be making any graphs. I don't okay. know how to. Um, I know I, I teach you. I know how to ask Excel to make data into a graph. Do you want to learn Python? No, I do not. Okay. Um, but y- you know, Jake Arrieta, you Darvish, Rowan mm. Wick, probably in the top ten. I think since <laughs> he's fast. Since you've been writing about the Cubs since 2015. Um, yeah. When you look at some of those names. And you know some of the injury history with Wick, some of the, you know the the periods he's had where he's been really dominant, some of the periods where he's been awful, right? Like, I, I I guess the question I have is, would you like to see the Cubs continue that, 
and see if they can get him right into this season? Or are you more interested in some of these other options that they have in terms of like who's getting opportunities? I'm interested in keeping the bullpen as stable as possible. Last year, despite some off and on struggles, 64 innings pitched. He has the track record of being someone who you can rely on for the majority of the season. Sure, maybe that's what they do. I'd be surprised if they option him. Also, he looks completely different, by the way. I don't know if you've seen pictures of Rowan Wick. Uh Completely different person. I don't know if he changed, like, you know, his workout routine or, like, skincare regimen. I don't know what he changed, but he's a different human being. But the reason I'm fascinated by Rowan Wick is because he came out of nowhere in 2019, and all of a sudden, he started throwing that knuckle curveball to go with a really good carrying fastball. And in 2019, he had stats to back it up. He had a 2.4 ERA, 2.82 FIP, and he looked good doing it, looked confident. 2020, the COVID season, another great year. 17 innings, granted, shortened season, but 3.1 ERA, 2.67 FIP. 2021, strikeouts jumped. It went from 9.5K per nine in 2019 all the way up to almost 11.5 in 2021. Now, that came with some command issues. I don't know what happened there, but this walk rate also jumped likewise. But still, because of those strikeouts, because of those abilities to get whiffs, he had a FIP of 3.1. So last year was different. Last year, he was really off and on. I don't know if it was mechanical or what have you. But despite him having so many innings, you know, the strikeouts the strikeouts went down. Uh, but there's still something in his pitch repertoire that I find interesting. It's very different than saying, okay, Rowan Wick is your lockdown reliever versus Rowan Wick has potential to be that. And I think when we talk about all these guys like the Nick Birdies and the Tyler Duffy's and all these guys, right? What they don't have is a big sample of recent success. And Rowan Wick does have that. And I think he also has a pitch uh, type and the pitch stuff that also is within the argument of, okay, look at this, look at this really good looking Knuckle curveball. He has all that. So I I imagine he's going to get a lot of opportunities to prove that. Maybe he'll have a longer leash than most guys. Yeah, sure. And I, you know, I just ask because I think, especially in spring training, it's easy to kind of ask the question of do we continue to try to work on this thing that has been hit or miss at times, right? Or do we kind of go with the shiny new toy, right? At least to, again, to start the season, not the be all end all. We've repeated that a million times, but just curious on that. Uh, Lastly, before we wrap up here, I just want to give you a a quick opportunity. Uh, How do you feel Um, about Nico Horner not being extended? Oh, my. Uh, why did you bring this up? You asked me to bring it up. <laughs> I said bring it up if you need to, but like, I, I, you know, this was a positive episode, like seriously, and you bring it down at the end with that with that statement. I feel terrible about it, Corey. What do you think I feel about this? Uh, that that's what I was expecting. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like kind of upset you you brought it up. I'm not gonna lie. Do you not want to do this at the end? We don't have to. Just wanted to check in. I think we got an update, you know, the other day that there was no update. You know, they're talking or whatever. Um, you know, I hate when Jed Hoyer talks about Yeah, extensions. I've heard that. I mean, like, just don't talk. Like, here's my biggest pet peeve with Jed, okay? I don't want to bash Jed Hoyer right now. I, this is a positive episode. But I hate how he talks about extensions mm-hmm. while then following up saying, I'm not going to talk about extensions. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, pick a lane. Yeah. Like, how hard is it to not say anything? I I was talking, and, you know, we talked about this, I think, a little on the show when I was in the studio uh, earlier this week, and, you know, just about how there was an article, I think, from Mark Feinsand on Ian Happ and the, the extension discussions. And, boy, if you could not just copy and paste that whole article and just change the name Ian Happ to... Anthony Rizzo or Wilson Contreras like it was the same same headline the same article I want to be a cub I love playing in Chicago but it's not up to me I understand it's a business we have to find a common ground we're working on it we're talking I'm hope like the same thing you know so that that is a little annoying and I I think again for me and I think for you like I I don't these two things have ended up getting tied together right 
um, Ian Happ and, and Nico Horner. And I don't really think that they are, right? Uh, to me— Well, they're very different. They're, they're, yeah. they're different players. They're different situations. One is a free agent to be. The other is not, right, in, in immediately. Um I also, in terms of my personal preference, like the priority to get an extension done with Nico Horner and call him and Dansby Swanson the, the middle of our infield for, you know, at least the next seven years while Dansby's here, that priority PCA, yeah. much higher than extending Ian Happ. Nothing against Ian Happ, but... Ooh. People will disagree. Sure, but I'm just saying these two, the two players have gotten tied together, right? The extension talks on Happ and Horner. I, I don't, they don't go hand in hand, and I don't think they're on equal footing, at least for me, personally, right? Um, but again, I, I, as always, like, I try to give Jed some leeway <laughs> in the front office to build this Man. team and make their own decisions and, you know, things like that and, and trust the process, even if, again, many times you and I have discussed that this process has been quite slow and you know, a second rebuild for a franchise of this value and stature shouldn't have happened the way that it did, yada, yada, not to go down that rabbit hole. Um, But at some point, man, like never keeping any of your homegrown players, um, to me, like just makes all that very complicated. And I'm just not sure I would continue to see the vision if you're just never doing that. Um, so it's a little frustrating, but you know, again, they're they're not apples to apples situations, and uh, still, you know, a couple weeks here of spring training. Technically, yeah. if you if you wanted to get something done and uh, present that news, as I said the other day, though, in the studio, I think the hap one is very complicated, um, just given the the view the organization might have given the the kind of trajectory of Hap's career. Obviously, he's coming off a great year, a, a very decorated, accolade-filled year. Um, well, so is Nico. It's the same type of like Right, but, know, but, all, but I'm, I'm speaking on Hap specifically because he's going to be a free agent, and I think what really complicates that is that he was inconsistent prior to that, but is also now a top five offensive free agent next year just because of how many players have been extended mm-hmm. and come off the board, et cetera. So I don't think he's going to ask for the world, but why on earth would he take a, you know, super friendly, like cheap deal? Like that just doesn't make right. a lot of sense. He's the, the world is going to be his oyster if teams are looking for an outfielder or a depth piece come next off season, because whatever they think of Ian Happ, there just aren't going to be a lot of options. Yeah. So yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's frustrating. Um, and I think it would be, I think it'd be nice to get something done. I, I think also, you know, and, and I don't know if this is something that we drum up, but, you know, Nico's talked about it, Hap has talked about it, and you said Carter Hawkins has talked about it, Jed Hoyer's talked about it. They have Tom Ricketts answering questions about it at CubsCon and and when he speaks. So I don't think it's something that just the fans are, are drumming up. It's at a certain point, you know, there's there's the reality of making the decisions on each individual player, sure, right? And a lot of them, looking back, like Jed seems to have gotten right. Uh, but there's also the reality of we keep having this conversation, and as you said, kind of floating the idea and, and discussing it as if it's something that's possible, and the answer's always been no. So that that gets frustrating after a while, right? Because it would at some point the conversation would turn. We'll just stop talking about this. Just say no, yeah. right? If it's you know never going to happen, just say you no. Know what's a, you know what's a great idea? You know what Jet can do? Go on a national baseball podcast and then talk about the last core and talk about not wanting to negotiate during spring training. That draws so much attention away from all this, Corey. That's what he should do. I that would go great. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sick of it, dude. I'm like, uh, I'm yes, legitimately sick of yeah. this. And it's like, uh, like, I don't, I can't tell. Like, I, like, is Jen just like bad when it comes to that? Like, uh, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I think, you know, it's, it's, I think also part of it is just the stark contrast between him and Theo and the, the differences between I mean, them. Is, and- is that like how nature works because because we had theo for so many years we have to get some something very someone different made, <laughs> yeah i i maybe you know it's just yeah. like balance you know yeah i mean I uh potentially um i don't know i mean uh, you know and it's and i i'm I, i'm not a, a fan of theirs so i don't remember the exact timeline but it sort of reminds me of you know like the red Sox go from dave dombrowski and eventually to uh you know their their current office with uh 
who is it, Bloom in, in Boston now, who's, you know, obviously, yeah. like, they made the decision to trade Mookie Betts and, like, do all that, as opposed to Dave Dombrowski, who is kind of classically a sign them all, right? You know, like, just, yeah. you know, kind of Wild West, like, front officing. So maybe that is the case. You go from one... So bring back Jim Henry. I mean, even that's saying? that's also, uh, you know, oddly enough, that's what happened with the Dodgers, too. You had Ned Coletti, who was kind of reckless and uh, not up on all of the kind of new paradigms and they shifted to the complete opposite the most forward thinking and up on the mm. new paradigm so maybe that is the thing you go from one type of front office executive and then next in line is something very different um i don't know we'll see uh but just you know yeah. checking in on those extensions it would be nice i think right um, just give me one but just one extension but we Six. shall well you have to be when you make wishes brendan you have to be more careful than that because that's how we end up with you know just david bodie getting extended extend again. David Bode. no, no offense to david bodie but you, when you make a wish like that you have to lay out the I've, terms very yeah, clearly yeah, yeah. okay just give me one five-year extension please no 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 no, no. For, yeah for oh. who Oh, you yeah, have to yeah. say for who because otherwise yeah. the baseball gods say oh you want a five-year okay. extension you got it yep yep zach mckinstry <laughs> right yeah <laughs> you said five years for somebody right that's what you wanted so there you go oh, yeah. Oh, yeah um anyway i think that's what we have for you um hopefully by the time we come to you guys next week the cubs still you know are on that winning streak and you know have not uh broken that cactus league streak uh world baseball classic starting up if that is your jam as i i've mentioned before i think it's a lot of fun you know whether you feel like rooting for uh your particular home country or another country whatever the players on the cubs players from other teams it i, I think it's fun to ch- change a pace um something different uh if you have the opportunity to go to any of those games uh they are a lot of fun to watch in person and and be a part of those uh crowds uh, again, want to direct your attention to uh, the CHGO Sports YouTube page where you can check out Ryan Herrera's interview with Pete Crow Armstrong, PCA. Uh, Ryan also published an article making his first, not his final, his first roster prediction for the Cubs uh, to break camp with over at allchgo.com. Uh, as always, use that code CHGO when you sign up at DraftKings. Brendan and I will be back with you next Friday. We appreciate your support for CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. We thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Cubs.